you, you and I, I love the fact that we try to control life. Where we always get into this mindset that I'm going to try to control my life and I'm going to do what I want to do and, and life is going to be piece of cake and happy and great all the time, but it's super exhausting, isn't it? Life is like crazy. I thought, as I was thinking, like, what could I compare life to? Um, and, and in my mind, this is where I, I came. I came to compare life to uh, puberty. It's like puberty. It really is. Admit it. You got crazy mood swings. One minute you're happy. Next minute you're crying. Next minute it's taking over your life. Next minute your body and your mind are changing. Next minute it controls you. Right? It's a good... Uh, figurative illustration of life. It's a mess. It's havoc. It, it, it takes over. And, and I think that it's super vicious to some people. Life can really take people and wreck them for a long period of time. And it might be based on somebody else. Like there's things you can't control. Things that based on your background or environment or other people that have messed your life in so many ways, right? then there's moments where it's just you. You've messed up your own life. You've tweaked your own life up. And it's exhausting to try to control it, to figure out am I up or am I down or am I left or am I right or am I going that way or am I going this way? Which, should I, which way should I go? And I want to introduce you to somebody. I want to tell you about somebody. Um, and, and as you, you'll discover, I don't have a scripture on the screens today because I, I want you to possibly open up your Bible apps or your, your Bibles and interact a little bit with the text and hear what this, this person's story is all about. So the person I'm going to introduce you to that, that has a crazy out of control life is a woman in John chapter four, John chapter four. She has no name. Let me tell you about it. She has no name, no name given. And I, I can't even give you a visual of who she is. I can't tell you what, uh, what hair color she has, if it's brown or if it's black or blonde. Or, I can't give you that description. I can't tell you if she's, if she's white or skinny or tall or short, skin tone. I can't tell you anything of that. All I can tell you is that she, she's, the, her physical demeanor is that she's hunched over that her shoulders are just dropped, that her face is to the ground, that, that she just doesn't want to look up and doesn't want to interact, and, and life is just all over the place, hectic and crazy. We're going to look at her life today. We're going to examine her life today. The biggest thing that we're going to talk about her life has to do with transformation. Transformation. You guys and me... We're always constantly dreaming of being transformed, right? We always want to be transformed. It's a constant in our mind to, to go from where we're currently at to something bigger or something better or something greater. We want to continue on and move forward up, right? Not down, but up. This week, um, I don't know what you did for spring break. Like this week was spring break for the school district around here. And so my kids had spring break. And I got the pleasure of having my wife go into surgery on Wednesday. It was already it was planned. She, um, she's watching this right now, which is hilarious because I can totally mess with her. But 
She tore her meniscus twice, or two places, front and back. She's the, the individual that, if it doesn't hurt, I'm not going to go to the doctor, right? Like, today, it's fine, so I must not need surgery. I just don't need a doctor. And finally, as she's jumping on the trampoline, as she's playing with the kids, as she's running around, um, she just realizes she needs to take care of her knee. And she's a teacher, so of course, as a teacher, you only have like two days of time off as a teacher, or 10, uh, which is pretty lame. You only get like 10 days. And so she's like, spring break is when I'm going to get this surgery. So we go in on Wednesday, and um, we, we sent the kids to my parents up north, and I take her in. And the doctor tells us, well, it's going to be about a 30-minute, because she had her pre-op appointment on Monday. They're like, oh, it's going to be about a 30-minute uh, surgery. You'll be in and out, no problem, no problem at all. I'm like, okay. Well, what time is check-in? Well, check-in's going to be at 5.30. Okay. I think I can do that. Uh, the surgery center we went to was like 19th Avenue and McDowell area. Well, not McDowell. That'd be sketchy. If uh, she was getting surgery at McDowell, um, not that far. Um, but surgery centers that way. So okay, four four fifteen we get up, um, and then we'll get by the latest four thirty we'll get over there. So five thirty check in. We're like one of three people that are essentially in this room, and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be quick. I can have my full day. She'll be knocked out on the couch. This would be a great day, no problem. Well. They're like, okay, now you got to go to this room, wait, chill, hang out. Well, when surgery, she didn't go into surgery till 9 a.m. I mean, at least I had breakfast. She didn't. I was content. Except they didn't have coffee, so I was a little bit irritable and making fun of people in the room. No, I'm just kidding. I wasn't. Uh, but 9 a.m. surgery. Okay, maybe a little bit. 9 a.m. surgery. And uh, so 30 minutes, 40 minutes of surgery. She's, she, of course, is uh, waking up in the other room. I had a chance to go grab some coffee. But essentially, we didn't get home till about 1 o'clock for a 30-minute surgery, 40-minute surgery on her knee. And, and so I had a lot of time to think about this. I had, I had a lot of time to process what's going on back there. And I had a thought, wouldn't it be awesome if they just like made her knee robotic who cares about the tear like put some metal in there put some like wires in there put some i don't know uh toxic waste whatever something in there that could make this like the coolest knee in the world and i had the thought of like if you're uh, if you remember the 90s rookie of the year that movie where the kid breaks his arm and then it like heals with a super tight tendon and he can pitch like 90 miles per hour. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is like the coolest thing in the world. What if my wife comes out with this like super bionic robotic leg? She could like stop crime. And then in my mind, I was like, no, she could make us rich. What if she becomes the uh, like starter NFL female kicker and millions of dollars? This would be incredible. She could kick the entire field. So in my mind, I spent hours like imagining this and drawing this up and wasting my life. Um, but I, I had this thought, and I, I, like, you might think, okay, this dude is, why is he imagining this? But regardless of how you imagine it, we all want transformation. 
I wanted my wife's knee transformed into something amazing. I wanted to be incredible. It's not a bad thing. Is that a, really a bad thing to desire something that is bigger and better, to be transformed, to be changed for the better? I don't think so. Like, is it wrong to want a better life? No, I don't. Is it wrong to want a bigger and better job? No, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. No one said, God didn't say you had to stick it out in a, a junk place unless he's called. He might call you to that place for a moment, but God isn't like, you've got to have a horrible job. You've got to be unhappy. Life is going to suck. God never said that. You want a better marriage, right? I mean, I would hope you'd want a better marriage. It's not like you're going into it saying, hey, year, I will fall out of love and we're not going to be married. And by the way, I'm going to get everything. Not you. That, that's not, no. You want a better friendship with people. You want people to hang out with you. You want to have deep conversations. You want to have people around you. You want a, a better body and mind, right? You want to be physically healthy. I'm not saying chiseled, but you want to be healthy. You want to be able to walk up a flight of stairs and not be out of breath. You want your mind sharp and not doubting and, de and depressed about everything. We want to have a transformation of, of a better life, and we desire it. And this woman desired it. I really believe that this woman really craved, and she really desired a better life, just like we do, don't we? We salivate over transformation. We crave transformation. And so we're going to look at her life. We're going to jump into the story. So if you have a Bible, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 7. John chapter 4, I'll give you a second. It's page 1 if you're on the Bible app. Seriously, dude, page 1. <laughs> it's not page 965. Come on. Depending on the version that you have, mine's NIV. But so what it says. Verse 7, it was about the sixth hour. Let me stop there for a second. About the sixth hour. Um, Jewish uh, time, calendar, all that stuff, uh, it was very relative. It was based on where the sun was at. So the first hour was when the sun came up. Sixth hour, sun is exactly in the middle of the sky in their minds, right above them, okay? Twelve hour, when the sun goes down. So this is noon. This is noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw uh, water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Life is vicious to the point that this woman isn't given a name. Matthew does not say who she is. And in my mind, I'd be like, come on now. You're not going to put my name in there? And I, but I, I think that this is very purposeful in this. I think this is very purposeful because if she had a name, what we typically do is say, that's her problem, right? That's Sally's problem. That's whoever is, that's her. She is worthless. She is not valued. She is not cared for. She is an outcast. Not me. It can never be me. It's her because she has a name. We identify her as the one with the problem. But if there's no name, then you can insert your name into this. You could easily put your name into this. You could say, well, it's me. I went to draw water. And then all of a sudden there was this dude sitting here by the well 
And I don't think it's by chance because if you read before I ever, before we ever get to the sixth hour part, a few verses before, it actually says he had to go. Ah, he didn't. He didn't. Because the Jews would always try to go around Samaria the, the longest way possible. Doesn't matter if it was the shortest way through Samaria, they would always take the longest route. But it says that Jesus had to go. He had to. It was in his nature to want to help and love people. So he went. And he sits down next to a well, a, a watering hole, a place of, of life for these people. And this woman, she's, she's worthless. Now, she's by herself. That's a red flag. She's getting water at noon. That's a red flag. Well, why? All the women would go to the well and draw water at the earliest part of the day. That's what they would do so they wouldn't have to uh, be there at the hottest part of the day, the warmest part of the day. They would automatically get their water up for the rest of the day. And for women, it was a social experience too. It wasn't just the necessity of needing water in their home for the fact that, hey, I get to talk. It's like going to coffee with people, having lunch or breakfast with people. This was a moment of relationship. But she's by herself. That, that doesn't, that tells you that she's an outcast. No one wanted to be around her. No one wanted to associate themselves with her. She was alone at a horrible part of the day. And then she's labeled as a what? She's labeled as a Samaritan. Samaritan. That means she was absolutely hated by all the Jews. Jews hated Samaritans. They hated tax collectors and they hated Samaritans. Samaritans, why they hated Samaritans? Because they felt betrayed. They felt cheated on. They felt as if the Samaritans just had an adulterous affair with somebody else because what they did is they sacrificed their full blood Jewish heritage to intermarry with people that weren't Jewish. When they were exiled, they, the men took wives from the other nations. And so these people were not full Jewish. And so you had a continual friction between Jew and Samaritan. And the Samaritans were like, you know, we don't believe that we have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. We can set up a temple in our own area and believe what we want over here. And we're still going to follow God and everything be okay. And so a Jew would be caught dead with this person because she's a woman, because she's uh, an adulterous woman, an outcast, and she is a Samaritan. And Jesus could care less about those things of what she was labeled as. I mean, he cares about her life and he cares that she is, uh, that she would put away sin and he cares about forgiveness and he cares about repentance and he cares about all of the things that are negative and bad to take those things out of her life. He cares about those things and for her life to be greater than it is now. But he knows that he needed to be there in the moment. And so it continues, verse 10. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you've nothing to draw with in the wells deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst. The water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is super confusing. 
in her mind, she's like, I just need physical water and I need it now because my family needs it or I need it or whatever. Who needs water? I don't know who needs water. I thought he needed water because he asked for a drink, but I guess he doesn't need water. And he's honestly saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. actually, I don't need, you need water. He flips it on her. He exposes her. He, he shows her what is wrong in this scenario. In her mind, it's, it's like this. He's saying, you're focused on the wrong water, the wrong water. You're focused on the wrong thing. Where's her mind? Her mind, this belief, is that she thinks this literal water is going to save her life, give her sustenance, give her happiness, give her fulfillment, give her everything that she possibly needs. And she almost kind of argues with Jesus for a moment. Well, this, this well is from our, our father Jacob. He created this well. He made this well. Are you saying that, that you are greater than our father Jacob? Are you saying that, that you have water that is better than what he produced? And I still look at this and I say, you're focused on the wrong water. You're not getting it. You think that you're going to be transformed by this water right here. And your, your uh, sexually immoral life of a Samaritan is going to be fixed by this water. Huh. This, how's that working for you? How's it working? Is it working great? I mean, let's ask your husband. Let's do that. Let's bring a third-party person into this and figure out how's it working for you getting this water at noon by yourself? How's it working out? And Jesus says that in 16. Go call your Bring him back. I'd like to talk to this guy. See what he does for a living. See if he cares about you. And her response, I have no husband. And then Jesus knew it. He knew he had an in right there. Here's why. He said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What? Here's what the Samaritans get wrong. Here was their error. They believed they could do it themselves. They believed that doing things their own way was the appropriate way to do things. They believed their own way of building a temple separate than the one that God had called to be in Jerusalem was the right way. They believed that only reading the first five books of the Bible was the right way. They believed all that. This woman, this Samaritan woman, she wanted to be transformed, to have something better, and she thought doing it her way was the right way of transformation. I'm going to get and that, that guy, he's the one. I know it. He looks at me so so nicely, those big blue eyes. He brings me flowers. Oh, man, I just love holding his hand. He's, we're going to live forever together. I'll die before him, probably. But the whole time we'll live together. White picket fence, three kids and a dog, a golden retriever. Why does everybody want a golden retriever? But they do. We'll never get divorced. I don't believe in divorce. She's had five husbands. The first one she thought was going to work out didn't work out. And then she's like, well, the second one's got to be the one. That, that dude, the first guy, 
he was told trash. This guy's way better. He's, he's, that's my husband. That's the one I'm going to live. Divorce. No, third one's <laughs> three times, uh, this third time, man, hat trick. We got it. Hat trick. Uh, divorce. Fourth one, maybe. Divorce. Fifth one, I don't even know anymore. I don't even care about his birth date. I've had four husbands. Man, I just need someone to take care of me. Because in that society, women didn't have the opportunity to really hold jobs. So the, the man was the, the provider, right? I just need someone to provide. I don't, I don't even care about his name. We're, we're not even going to sleep in the same room together. No, divorce. And I think it's also fascinating. By the way, in this culture back then, she could not divorce him. She couldn't. The men had divorced the woman. That, that was the right. So I'm really confused here because how did it not work out? Like, were they just so unhappy with her? Was it her? Was it him? I don't know. But in her mind, she had to think that this next guy was the way to be transformed into a bigger, better life. This next guy is going to be the one. And she finally gets to the point where she's like, I'm not even going to marry anymore. I'm just going to sleep with this dude and, and he, he'll take care of me. We'll, we'll just have sex. We just won't be married and he'll take care of me. I don't have to know his name. We don't. I, I've, I've been through the marriage thing and it's not going to work out. But Jesus shows up at a well on purpose to say, by the way, God completely desires transformation. God cares about transformation. God wants you to have an amazing life, and he wants your heart to be better than it ever has been. I pray that your heart is soft and pliable. I pray that you listen to my Holy Spirit who can guide and direct and give you hope and joy and peace and so much more. My God is a God of transformation. And I think that we assume we know what to do. We assume that I know what's going to make me happy. We assume we're going to argue with God and know how to draw the water. That's, that's what we're going to do. And, and really, here's what it is. We need to stop thinking we know the source of transformation. That's what we need to stop doing. We think that we know the source. And I'll give you some examples of source. We automatically, here's where we go wrong. We think that, you know what, if I'm going to be transformed, then it's got to be through money. I'm going to try every get-rich-quick scheme possible, and that's the way to be transformed. Money. They tell me I can work from home 40 hours. I don't even have to work 40 hours a week. 20 hours a week, and I can make like $100,000. Those, sorry, those signs hurt me so much. But schemes, what can I dump my money in? How can I invest? How do I, how do I begin to create things digitally that, that can transform my life in an easy, easy, easy possible way? Right? Or, or how about um, we, we think what's going to transform is crash dieting or Shark Tank diet pills. I mean, how many times do diet pills come on Shark Tank? A lot. And then you always see it in your, in your Instagram feeds. Hey, seen on Shark Tank. This can chew away your fat quickly. Oh, I got to buy that. Give me a box. Give me a case. 
is that going to transform us? I mean, that was husband number one and number two. How about, you know what? I know what's going to transform you. Popular culture. What is trending right now is going to save my life and transform me. I just need to follow the right influencer. I think that's what I need to do. The right influencer. They, they know. They No, they don't. Most of those people are pretty idiotic to me. They're, they're not very bright. They just know how to lure you in to get followers. Or, you know what? Here, here's my favorite. Church is the way to transform my life. Coming on a Sunday morning will transform my life. No, it won't. It won't. Church by itself is not the source. Hate to say it. One day a week is not going to do it for transformation. That's like saying I can work out one day a week and I can easily be transformed. I can eat one meal a week. I'm going to easily survive. Drink one bottle of water a week. I will never get kidney stones in my life. Yes, you will from your Coke and your coffee. I hate to say it, but Sunday, that's the biggest one for Christians. Like we assume that the source is only coming to church on a Sunday morning and my life will be transformed instantly. Every day of the week is going to be great because I went to church on Sunday. There's value in church. There's importance with being here in community. Sunday mornings are incredible and God ordained it and God called it to be in existence, but it is not the source. And I think that's why we struggle when pastors fall with adulterous affairs and stuff because we put too much on Sunday morning and who's standing in front or who's leading our kids or leading in worship or leading in, in the sermon because we believe they're the source to transform us. They're not. Or the most common one right now, in my mind, I know what, what can help transform me. Everything natural and organic. That will transform me. I got out. Go to Trader Joe's. That natural and organic is the way to go. Not, nothing processed. Um, those things are good. But I don't believe that is the transformation that we need, is it? It can help us. It can bring our body to um, some, how to put it? It can make us healthy, give us quality of life. It's not the source. How many things do we try and try and try? And how many people do we listen to instead of Jesus Christ? Because he says this, the water I give him, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water I give him, the water I give her, the water I give to people, I. He's saying himself. He's saying, I am the only source. You can go to all these temporary and alternative water sources and wells, but it's not the source. You want a life that is full and better and bigger and greater, go to the source. You know what? When you give your life to Jesus, what happens is he gives you a cup of water, of living water, his Holy Spirit. And he says, put this inside of you. And what happens is that water begins to fill up every inch of your body until it wells up and pours out and, and um, eternal life. That's what sanctification is. Sanctification is the process. The minute that you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you live for him, you say, I'm going to live for you every day. I'm sorry for my stupidity and my messed up sin. 
forgive me. I'm going to live for you. And then from that moment, sanctification is saying, I'm going to become more like Jesus Christ. Not that I do it. I'm not the one who goes to the well every time at noon. But I'm going to allow Jesus Christ to do it. To sanctify me. Make me more like him. That's, that's the source that he's talking about. I mean, in verse 26, he declares it. He says, I am the Messiah. I am the transformational source. I am the one. He shows up. I think about too, how many times does Jesus show up next to the well in our lives? And how often are we listening to him? How often do we engage with him? He was an active listener. He was always willing to listen instead of just bombard this woman with saying, hey, you're a sinner, you're wrong, you're screwed up, you're an outcast. Get it right. He says, hey, can I get better than what you got? It'll be worth it, promise. Please let me give you living water. And in order for transformation to take effect, it has to be a daily thing. Like I said, Sunday is not the source. Jesus is the source. So am I going to him every single day and drinking of that living water? Am I doing that? That's the challenge. Take your time in your day to spend time with him. That, that's where transformation will really take effect. And I use the example all the time. What if I only talked to my wife one day a week? I would be divorced. What if I went to my job one day a week? I wouldn't have a job. If you want a relationship with Jesus, if you want living water, if you want something better than it ever, uh, better than life itself right now, you got to go to the source. You got to go to the well every day and spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. So who, I'll leave you with the question of who or what is the source of your transformation? What is it? What's it going to be? Please don't leave this place and going back to what you believe the source is going to be. It's not going to help you. Jesus has living water that wells up inside and gives you full, full peace and joy and life. Life eternal. Let me pray. God, I pray we, we seek to be transformed by your hand, seek to be transformed by your spirit, seek to be transformed in you in every single way. You do have an amazing plan for our lives. But there's times we think that we know better. And I think that there's times that we are empty and we think that we can just strive to figure out the source of life in our own terms, in our own way. And we listen to people we shouldn't listen to. Help us to go back to you and stop drawing from, from a, a well that is just of this world, but help us to draw from your source, your Holy Spirit. Help us to be transformed every day. In your name we pray, amen.